0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. A
1: swing and a long drive, left center field, way back to the track.
2: Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show is presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. We're going to get a ground ball off the pitchers to the second baseman. Got him! A complete game 5-0 shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals
3: Countdown to Opening Day Show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. From Jupiter, Florida, welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. I'm Chris Raby. Mike Claiborne is my co-host, Ben Boyd, our executive producer back in our Cardinals Network studios. Claibs, maybe hard to believe, but we are rapidly approaching the one-month mark here in camp as the Cardinals have another handful of Grapefruit League games down, and teams look pretty good, good pitching, a lot of offense, and an improving defense, I think. What has stood out to you to this point?
4: Well, I think the way they've been crisp throughout the the camp, I think the drills have been better. I think the concentration has been better. The execution has been really good. And I just think there's a a, a different approach. Uh, And I'm not going to say it's solely Dexter Fowler, but I think there are a lot of guys that obviously looked in the mirror last year and said, you know what, this isn't what I'm about. I'm a better player, and I should be a better teammate than what took place last year. Hence, I think you see a lot of guys that are just saying, you know what, we're going to be better. And so far, so good.
3: Well, a lot coming up for you on the program tonight. Going to visit with Greg Garcia, also birthday boy, Tommy Pham. Whitey Herzog in the house. Claves, you have a chance to sit down with him. We will get a chance to pick the brain of John Rooney. We'll also hear from Chris Maloney, Cardinals third base coach. And we will get a couple of minutes with John Parato of USA Today. So a busy Busy show and a busy camp, Klebes. The workouts continue as the games go on. Another Hall of Famer has arrived. Bob Gibson is here, and how cool was it to see him bring the lineup card out to home plate today?
4: Always good to have Bob Gibson anywhere in the room. Uh, he's only here for a limited period of time, but you notice the crowd responded to him, and you know he was telling me the other day, "See, yeah, I haven't pitched in almost forty years,
3: you know." And he said, "These kids don't know who I am." I said, "Ah, uh, you'd be surprised." Adam Wainwright, one of those pitchers who yesterday saw Bob Gibson as he arrived at camp. What did he think? There's Mr. Gibson. i got to go talk to him. So I did. He sure did, both <laughs> on the field and in the clubhouse. Wainwright said that it was amazing to watch Gibson come into the clubhouse and just hold court, tell some stories, talk some pitching, and everyone getting the opportunity to spend time around the Hall of Famers. Mike Matheny saying that you know his message to these young guys is, you got to take advantage of it. You need to take advantage of them being here, of the chance to go up, talk a little baseball, talk a little life with them, and everyone seems really giddy to do that.
4: When you've got a guy like that who's seen it all and done it all and the, the stories about him are legendary, for him to take the time to come out and just talk and just let you know he used to be like you. I think it says a lot, and hopefully some of those kids can draw from it.
3: You know, it's not just pitching either. Wainwright said he he knew twenty eight career home runs. He said, "I've I've got a ways to go before I catch him." I think Wainwright's got eight on his career, yeah, but he's just got a long ways whoa, to go. what what a presence, man, yeah. and and someone who again just cares so much about this organization. Mike said that. You know, Bob's watching these spring training games and yeah. he's bouncing ideas off yeah. him. He's got thoughts on guys. He's got thoughts on the way the team is shaken up. And, again, not just hood ornaments. These guys are here to work, and they're here to give their input because they're so invested in the club and the St. Louis community. Well, there's
4: a reason why there's a great tradition here in St. Louis, and I think that uh, guys like Gibson, and I and I tip my captain, Mike Matheny, for bringing guys from various generations back, whether it was Red Shandings, or Bob Gibson, or Ozzy Smith, or Willie McGee, and now you've got some of the younger guys coming back now that are spending more time here. I think it's a great situation to be part of.
3: We've seen some good pitching over the last few days. Adam Wainwright yesterday, uh, he said last week that it took going back and watching a YouTube video of Adam Wainwright from 2013 yeah. holding a curveball to get back the grip. He's been great over his last couple of starts, uh, I thought, especially when it comes to what he's trying to work on, the off-speed pitches, the breaking stuff. Michael Waka, we saw him today. He was really good again. And the breaking ball, the changeup, they were both there because of the fastball command. We've seen... Lance Lynn we'll see him again tomorrow we've seen Mike Leak we've seen Carlos Martinez who is headed out to the World Baseball Classic also some strong showings out of the bullpen from both some veterans and some youngsters the pitching has been pretty impressive and fun to watch a lot of hard throwers it has been um
4: they've had a lot of strikeouts late in the ball game with some of the minor league guys facing other minor league guys but I like the way things have started um, you know, we've had some pitchers that haven't been fooled around. You mentioned Walker; I thought he was as good as we've seen him in two or three years. And he's facing a decent lineup in Washington today. We saw the same thing last week uh, at Washington. So when you have that working, I think it's incumbent upon them to find another guy who has starting ability uh, because you got to be careful with Walker and how far you can take him. And you want to make sure you've got another guy who can give you six innings on occasion. And maybe they spread out the rotation a little bit and maybe save some of those bullets for later in the year.
3: Well, and the lineup's been pretty darn impressive as well. You mentioned Dexter Fowler. We'll get to talking about him. The Cardinals with another win today, and we have another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Mike Claiborne and Chris Ray be with you tonight. Ben Boyd back in our Cardinals Network studios. Don't go anywhere. We kick things off with Greg Garcia. He's had himself quite a spring and had quite the offseason as well. The Cardinals infielder joins us next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on OX.
3: Chris Rabia and Mike Claiborne back in Jupiter on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, joined by Greg Garcia as we get ready for... uh... Man, to put another week or so in the books here in a couple of days. Greg, how's it going, man? I know a couple of nice offensive days for the club. It's been a nice stretch of the last six or seven games here record-wise. Uh, how's everything feeling?
5: Good. Yeah, I feel great. Uh, body feels good. And, uh, yeah, well, we've been playing some pretty good baseball here to open up the spring training. And um, I like uh, I like where we're headed.
4: You know, I like your situation. You come into camp, you got big league experience, you're out of options. So they're going to give you a long look. What's it like now to come into camp with that big league experience, understanding what your role can be on this ball club?
5: Yeah, I think uh, like you, you just get better from experiences, and uh, I've been able to kind of have uh, some time up in the big leagues the last three years, and I just feel like I'm getting more and more confident. And when you're confident, that's when you're going to play at your best. And uh, I just feel good about where I'm at, and I uh, just want to try to do anything to help the team win.
3: I know the last couple of off seasons uh, you said that one of the focuses for you was going to be doing more at shortstop so that, that could be an option for you at the big league level how especially last year being up with the club did you see that off season work pay off for you defensively and then does any of that success carry over to offensive situations?
5: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I put a lot of uh, effort into playing shortstop this last offseason again, and uh, I think it's the most demanding position out of the three. So I uh, put most of my work into that, and I think uh, being able to play shortstop allows you to play third and second and things like that. And like I say, it's just it's just confidence. It's just being out there, and, you know, I, I got thrown out there for, I think, whatever, 16 days in a row at shortstop, and you gain some confidence out there. Make some plays, make the routine play, make the good play, and uh, when your confidence rises, you start playing better. You said that shortstop
3: allows you to play second, play third. How does it help you? What what specific things do you take from maybe the challenges and the responsibilities of that position and then apply around the infield?
5: I think, uh, you know, at shortstop, to me, you have to be perfect. You know, you, there, you have no no room for error. And so if, if you can do that on a consistent basis, you, you, you don't, like, necessarily relax at third or second, but you can kind of play more comfortable and more relaxed. and uh uh, that's that's the kind of way I feel about it and I'm um, just gonna continue to keep working hard.
4: You know when I watch guys who play shortstop on a limited basis, the one thing I see them do is rush things instead of letting the game come to them. When did you have to try and level that off because I thought that was one of the things with you. You would rush things and all of a sudden you get it up in here and you can't move your
5: hands. Oh, that's, that's a great point. You know actually we've been working with Marmee, uh, Oliver Marmel and uh, David Bell and we actually did a drill yesterday where uh, Marmal would come real close to me and hit a ball as hard as he could at me. But I got to, like, I got to stay calm and, like, and treat it like it's, and, like, you know, you take you take ground balls in batting practice The coaches are hitting easy ground balls. Treat it like that because, like you said, you get into Bush Stadium in front of 40,000 people, two outs, bases loaded, we're up one in the ninth. You got to slow yourself down because you're going to make mistakes if you try to speed up, especially at shortstop. So uh, something that I'm working on and just trying to, you know, breathe out there and just trying to slow the game down a little bit. And that just, like I said, comes with experience and, and, and more time we see the Hall of Famers come through. Ozzie Smith was here,
3: was working with you guys along with Jose Oquendo and the rest of the coaching staff. What's it like to have him around and what can you take from Ozzie out there on the field even if he's just in town for a week or so?
5: Yeah, I think to have those Hall of Famers at our disposal and, and them to be so generous with their time and their words and uh, is something that we truly cherish here in Cardinals camp and Uh, The one thing I can kind of take away from Ozzy is his passion about defense. And I think that's something that gets overlooked nowadays. You know, everyone wants to hit, everyone wants to hit, but defense kind of gets overlooked. And you take that same intensity that you do in the box out there on the field, and uh, good things are going to happen. And you can tell the way Ozzie speaks about defense, obviously probably arguably the best shortstop to ever play the game. Uh, It it translated for him, and that's something that we're going to try and take away from him. And
3: last year you guys did hit. A lot, but it was the defense that you struggled with, and you come down to the last day of the season, you're game out of the postseason. I know you don't like to look back too much, but it's not something that we're used to, seeing inconsistent defensive play in St. Louis.
5: Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, you know, part of me, I, I'm, I'm one of those infielders, and uh, I got my teammates backs. and I think some of that kind of got blown out of proportion to me. Uh, you know, I think we, were, we weren't we were as bad as people were saying. It's like what everyone says. You're never as bad as what people say you are. You're never as good as what people say you are. So I think that story kind of ran with itself. We made a lot of good defensive plays, and so, I, you know, I got my guys backs. So I'm, I'm one of those guys. I think we're going to be a good defensive club. Obviously, you want to make the plays for your pitchers, and we got a lot of ground ball pitchers, and we're going to do the best we can, and uh, I like our chances this year.
4: I want to talk about your hitting for a minute, because I remember when you first came up, you were like, "I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get on base." I mean, whether you got hit by a pitch, you draw a walk. Now you seem like you're a little bit more focused on a game plan and an approach as a pinch hitter, because you know you got the one swing, and that might be it for the night. What have you tried to do differently there?
5: You know, I, I, like I said, I think every everything that I go back to is my plate discipline, and that's something that I want to try to build my game around and it's something that can help me I talk to guys like Dexter Fowler he's a perfect example man you watch that guy's at bats and he is so selective in the strike zone he knows the pitcher has to throw three strikes over that plate and he believes that there's no way that's gonna happen without me putting a good swing on a on a baseball so just talking with him he, he slows the game down and I want to try to build off of that you know it's not so much I'm um, looking to walk I'm looking to get hit by a pitch I'm looking for a strike over the plate and I'm going to put a good swing on it. And that's kind of what Dexter's philosophy is, and I, I really like it. Seems like everyone, I mean, you guys were such a
3: good offensive team last year, especially late in games, especially in the pinch-hitting situations, not just the home runs, but, but getting on base. Do you need to have a different mentality in terms of being selective if you're maybe only getting one shot, if it's in the 7th, 8th, ninth inning? And especially a lot of teams, it seems like everyone in the back end of their bullpen That guy's throwing 99-100.
5: Yeah, I mean, bullpens are getting better each and every year. Um, And I I think I'm really proud of how we did off the bench and uh, just proud of the guys. And, you know, we didn't use excuses or anything like that. You know, some people say pinch hitting is hard, this and that. But we never really looked at it like that. You know, it was our job that day. If you weren't starting, you're off the bench. And that's going to be your job is to pinch hit and just go out there and compete and take a good at bat. And like you said, you're you're facing bullpen guys who are throwing 97 with with put-away stuff. So, you got to look for a pitch, and, and when you get it, you just try not to miss it and just go out there and compete and do the best you can. And we had a lot of success last year, and uh, I think it's going to continue over this year.
4: Hey, take me through your process when you get to the ballpark. You see whether you're in or whether you're out. When do you start to try and zero in on, okay, I might hit in the seventh or I might hit in the ninth inning? What's your approach?
5: You know, I think, you know, I get to the ballpark fairly early, and you kind of just kind of relax. I, I do watch video, but. Uh, usually at the beginning of the series, I'll watch it on the. if I'm not starting, I'll watch it on the relievers and usually just the right-handers. That's usually going to be my matchup. And I'm not really looking for count, you know, what they're throwing in certain counts. I'm just looking to see what their ball does, especially if a guy I haven't seen. Being around a little bit more, you, you start to see guys more and more, especially in the central. You play the same teams, it seems like, over and over again. So you get more and more comfortable that way. But if I'm not playing that day, I'm just trying to stay loose, you know, take a good BP, take my ground balls everywhere because you don't know if you're going to go in a short, second, third, whatever pinch run so um yeah that's just kind of a a daily thing
3: adam made a really interesting comment i thought yesterday after his start he said that he has tried to learn to adjust to a batter over the course of an at-bat based on his swings based on where he thinks he is in a box can you adjust to a pitcher uh over the course of one at-bat pitch to pitch
5: I don't. I you know you would love to. I think Adam Wainwright. He's a, he's one of those guys. He's just different. He's a future Hall of Famer, and he he can he has that ability to do that. And he's taking his game to the next level. And it's it's fun to watch him dissect hitters and playing behind him. Just like yesterday, he was just carving guys up. But I think for me, where I'm at in my career right now, it's more at bat to at bat. You would like to say pitch to pitch, but I mean that's pretty tough because you you don't you want to go look at back at video, see, make sure your eyes were seeing what was actually happening. Uh, So I think at-bat to at-bat, and then definitely series to series, and talking to guys, and we as a group do a great job of of relaying information, you know, stuff that we're seeing, what's going on out there, and uh, it really helps with your next at-bat.
4: For you, uh, you had a busy off-season, you know, uh, tell me about that and how that worked out.
5: Oh, yeah, it was great. I got married, I married my my wife Hannah, and, uh, you know, we had a great wedding in St. Joe, Missouri, and... Uh, a lot of guys showed up from the team and uh, went on the honeymoon to St. Lucia, and yeah, and then but then it was always you know train, train, train because it's, it's a year-round job, and uh, we're excited to get out here to spring training and, and get things rolling. Does she, does she throw BB to you on the honeymoon? Or? You know what she? I'll say this. she's probably a better athlete than me. Uh, baseball might be the one thing I'm better than her at, but besides that, she she kind of puts puts me to work on everything else, so it's good. So uh, I'll leave
3: you with this, Greg. Um, now that we're just about a month into spring, uh, what's the feel in, in the clubhouse? As you said, you guys had to battle some adversity last year, a lot of guys dealing with injuries, a lot of guys filling in different roles. Is there a different feel this year? Is, is there a different excitement uh, knowing that you've got some guys back healthy, you've got some – New additions, what's the mentality right now as we uh, count down to April 2nd and the Cubs being in St. Louis?
5: I mean, it's. Uh, I think we have a really, really good vibe going on in the clubhouse right now. Uh, it's been a great spring training. We're staying healthy. Obviously, Carp's got his little uh, oblique issue, but he's he's feeling a lot better. But, you know, it, it it's, it's definitely feels different. We feel the, the, the chemistry in there is great. And the way I see it is two years ago we won 100 games. Last year we missed the playoffs by one game. You take both of those, those experiences, bring in a guy like Dexter Fowler, you know, Cecil, we're bringing in the right pieces, and we have the right pieces going forward. And I think it, 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 uh, it's going to be a scary team that we have coming up this year, and obviously the Central's lo- loaded again, and, uh, but we'll be ready for the challenge, and we're excited. The
3: 2017 promotional schedule features eight bobblehead giveaway dates, including a unique Carlos Martinez and Matt Carpenter double bobblehead, two final out bobbleheads, and more. Get your tickets through one of the five or ten-game promotional packs or as a single-game ticket on sale now at Cardinals.com. John Parado of USA Today gives us a national perspective next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX.
3: USA Today's John Parado joins us in Jupiter. What's going on? It's great to see you here in Cardinals Camp.
6: Oh, it's good to be here in Cardinals Camp, just making rounds around Florida, uh, Tampa, down to Port Charlotte, uh, fort myers and now over here at uh, the west palm uh, jupiter area ha- having a good time and uh, it, you know uh, being here it's been quite a while it makes me want to enroll at uh, fau it's uh, quite quite a quite a place here yeah not bad scenery either uh john we know
3: you from your time covering the pirates as well um now at usa today and uh covering not just goings on around pittsburgh but uh, nationally so how has that changed for you how has spring changed for you now
6: Well, uh, I'm not uh, on one team, obviously, so get a chance to get more of a a bigger picture look of of all the teams in the league, and particularly the National League and American League Centrals are the teams that I concentrate on probably a little bit more than than others. So, uh, you know, get a chance to... uh, to see those teams and you know they've been uh, very good divisions here uh, in recent years uh you know a lot of great teams the cardinals have had great teams the cubs obviously won the world series the the pirates uh, had a, a three-year run in the playoffs the indians went to the world series the tigers have been to the world series in the last few years uh, the royals do a couple so it, it's been a fun time to cover the central divisions uh, with a lot of good franchises franchises on the upswing or good franchises and uh you know it's just a little different uh you know obviously you don't get to know people as well as you do when you're on a beat day in and day out but then when it comes July and everyone's sick of seeing each other that's a plus (laughs) as you see different people it makes makes things a a little easier but uh it's different work I mean uh you know a, a little more uh longer type feature work than maybe I would do as a beat writer over the years and but, you know, two different things, but uh, two two enjoyable things. I was on the beat 22 years in Pittsburgh and, and really enjoyed that. And now I'm enjoying this, uh, going from camp to camp and getting to talk to players that probably when I was on the beat wouldn't have a chance to, to talk to nearly as much as I do now. And, uh, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah,
3: and some familiarity, uh, I'm sure, and an advantage covering the National League Central because of all your time covering the Pirates and seeing so many of these teams and seeing so many of the battles and a lot of the postseason between these teams
6: uh, over the last few years oh yeah it's uh you know it's it's a great rivalry there with the cardinals and the pirates it really has turned into one you know they had a, a really great lds in, in 13 it went five games uh, that the cardinals winning and of course going on to the world series that year and uh, you know the pirates and cubs uh, have developed a good rivalry and of course I, I don't need to tell you how how intense the cubs cardinals rivalry is even when even if uh, you know the teams aren't very good it's still an intense rivalry and now that there are two of the best teams in baseball i mean those are, are must watch games so uh, much much games uh so it's fun you know Uh, i don't know if if pittsburgh will will still be on the upswing here they had a tough year last year with some injuries uh they didn't do a whole lot in the offseason to improve they're hoping uh, you know a lot of their younger kids especially on the pitching staff help uh but still, I think you know they'll, they'll be competitive, and, and I think as it's been the last few years here, it's going to be Cubs, Cardinals, and Pirates in uh, in some combination uh, at the top of the division.
3: You know, you mentioned the Cubs, and and they used a lot of their high draft picks, if not just about all of them, on bats, and went out to try to supplement their pitching staff elsewhere, whether it be through trades, maybe some low risk guys in the free agent market. The Pirates and drafted some pitchers high. Do you think that? we've learned anything about how to use those picks and how to use some of that slot money that you have in the draft over the last decade or so. Do you think there is more of a push to try to say, we're going to try to grab offense and then try to supplement the pitching later because there does seem to be a little bit more risk with some of the arms that are drafted high?
6: You know, that's a, that's a great point because, you know, the Pirates, like you said, they, they've been very pitching dependent in most of the drafts. And it's worked to an extent, but now you look and they don't really have any position prospects left in the higher minors, anybody that makes you think, wow, this guy will be a difference maker, uh, I think the position player is much And to, and to
3: their credit, yeah. th- that is because a lot of them have reached the big leagues, so yeah. they're not prospects anymore. True.
6: But absolutely. But but I do think, and I think, you know, let's face it, everybody follows the leader in, in this game, you yeah. know. And, and, and it's like in all sports, you know, regardless of the sport, but certainly in baseball. And, you know, and, and you, you look at the Cubs now. They're the hot team. They're the it team. They, they won the World Series. They, they, you know, they're the favorites uh, to, to win it again this year. And the, when you think the strength of their team, it's the, the core position group players who are all young. So I'm sure a lot of people are looking at that as a blueprint. Well, let's do it that way like the Cubs did. Let's get as many good young position players as possible. And if we have an excess like they did for Jorge Soler, for example, who couldn't find his way into the lineup, we'll trade him for pitching help, which they did and dealt him to the Royals for Wade Davis because they needed a closer for this season, and I do think uh, that will probably be the next uh, kind of wave of drafting and developing is uh, position players, and then we can use them to get pitchers later, or uh, save that, you know, or still have money left over in pitchers, and, you know, if the risk they blow out, well, we didn't spend as much money on them as we used to, and it's not that big of a financial loss.
3: Well, and and with that being said, John, finally, how do you view this Cardinals team and and their place within the division? Obviously, the tough loss of Alex Reyes, as you allude to there, but they're hoping to get some guys back healthy they've dealt with some injuries over the last few years you've seen that what do you think of this cardinals club as we
6: get ready for the season you know i like it i like adding dexter fowler to me was the perfect addition let lets gritchick move to left field it makes him a little more athletic in the outfield it it gives him a you know another leadership type guy in the clubhouse he's got that personality even you know the first day he walks into a clubhouse you know he's the type of guy that he just gets along with everybody uh and uh I, you know, it, obviously Reyes was a tough blow. He's, a, You know, we all saw what he did when he got caught up last year, and I got to see him in the Futures game in San Diego, and he just blew guys away for the inning he pitched. And, I mean, you couldn't help but fall in love with him right then and there. But, you know, at the same time, Michael Walker. Is healthy, and I think people forget. You know, he had a tough year last year at the shoulder, but this is a kid that won 17 games two years ago, and as we all saw in the 13 LDS, nearly threw a perfect game. That I really thought he was going to throw a perfect game that day. He was, he had that kind of stuff, and, and Pedro Alvarez got the only hit off of him in that game, a home run. So you know, I think they have Walker. You know, they they have, uh, you know, they have Weaver, you uh, know, you know, in the mix, who's a former first rounder, and you know, they have the depth. I mean, I think Carlos Martinez has become a number one. I think Adam Wainwright is still certainly a very good pitcher. He may not be the Waino of his prime, but he certainly can win you games and keep you in ball games and do more than that a lot of days. And uh, I like their pitching staff. Uh, you know, I like the bullpen. I like what O did last year coming over from Korea. He did, did a really good job. And, and I think Trevor Rosenthal bounced back. I, You know, I mean, he, he obviously had a really rough season, but but he's, a, he's proven he's a good pitcher in the big league he's gotten people out and i think uh, he just got in a rut last year that he never was able to dig himself out of and i think he'll be a strong comeback candidate in the bullpen so uh you know, I like their team, and I think Mike Matheny's a good manager, and I think John Moselock is a, is a good general manager. He makes good moves, and I mean, you know, it, it's clearly one of the premier organizations in, in all professional sports. And uh, you know, when, when you have a team that, that it knows how to win, when you have an organization that knows how to win, you can never ever count them out. And, and certainly, I feel, you know, even though the Cubs are the favorite to win the division, I think the Cardinals will, will, will clearly give them a good run, and even if they don't overtake them, I think they very have a very, very good chance at the very least to be in the wild card game this year, so I think the Cardinals are... uh the Cardinals, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. They're going to be contenders. Uh, I don't think you'll be filling time in September talking about next year. They'll be playing important games. Well, John,
3: appreciate the time and uh, it'll be great to see you around. Great to see the Pirates this year, too, and great to see our buddy David Free.
6: It's good to see him having some success in Pittsburgh. Sure is. What a great guy. I always enjoy dealing with him, the Cardinals, and having a chance to be around him a little more now that I'm based out of Pittsburgh. Just a wonderful guy, Chris, and uh, really uh, enjoyed his uh, nice little comeback. And Chris, is good to finally meet you in person. I, yes. I know we've spoken over the phone, a, phone interviews a few times. I'm, I'm Sorry to disappoint you because I'm, I'm sure you thought I was very uh, handsome and, and dashing over the phone and, and in person, uh, not quite so much.
3: Now you live up to all the expectations. Thank you, bud. Looking for a great private event space for an upcoming meeting or party? Cardinals Nation inside Ballpark Village is open seven days a week and has a variety of perfect spaces for groups of all sizes. For more information, visit cardinalsnation.com events. Get up a birthday party at Cardinals Nation. The birthday boy Tommy Pham joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on GangamOX.
4: Well, Tommy Pham is in spring training. Tommy Pham is healthy. Tommy Pham is having a good time
7: so far. How you doing, Mike? Pleasure to always, you know, get to be on the radio with you.
4: Let's talk a little bit about the spring for you. I know you put a lot of work in in the offseason. You travel all over the world to make sure you can face good players. So give us an idea of how your winter went.
7: My winter was great. Uh, I visited DR for the first time, I uh, played winter ball out there, um, ex- experienced some new things. I was in Miami training this offseason, not in Vegas, as usual. Um, I wanted to go to Miami to train and uh, work on my speed. Um, I was supposed to train with John Jay, but uh, he had his two twins, and he didn't want to have them born in Miami due to the, the virus. So um, I missed that opportunity to train with him. But I, I was down at Barmeritos, a um, real good training facility. Just uh, the purpose of me going there was to try to get my, get my speed back. You know, I felt like I lost a step due to my, uh, my quad injury a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, they really did a great job of uh, helping me achieve what I felt like I've been missing.
4: For you, I know getting speed back is something that you really stress. How much does it have to do also with the workout programs? Because I see a lot of guys that get stronger and they get a little slower, and that's with maturity as far as your body is concerned. How often or how conscious of you are the, of that?
7: Yeah, that, that's something – that played a big part in, uh, this off season, you know, uh, prior in the last two years, the focus of, has been just strength, strength. You know, I probably spend, uh, hour, hour 15 lifting weights and 30 minutes running, you know, and, and this year it might've been vice versa. You know, I, I, I could tell you this, I definitely spent the hour on the track, um, because, you know, we started, we started at 10 o'clock Every morning, and we were out there on that track, and we didn't finish till like 11:11:15. 11, 11, and um, you know, I, I realized this year, this past year actually, that uh, how important it is to go out there and run if, if you're a guy who really relies on speed. I know
4: you really work at your game, but the defense is something that's never left you. I remember it was there was a game; it was the first pitch of the game, and you had to go get one. How confident are you of your defense now at this stage of your career because you can play all three positions in the outfield and, and you've certainly shown that skill set. And I know you put a lot of work into that also. What are some of the things you do in order to maintain?
5: Every
7: day uh, during batting practice, I'm out there shagging, power shagging. Uh, I, I, I primarily take a lot of reps in center. But, um, you know, I, I expanded to right field and left field just due to my role on the team. And um, I take a lot of pride in defense because, you know, this game, you have to score runs and you have to prevent runs. And if you're preventing runs with the glove, then, you know, you're giving your team the best chance to win that day. Um, But truthfully, I I didn't feel like I played a good defense last year, Um, but I I don't think it was a a lack of ability. Um, But this year I'm, I'm very... I'm very excited about the early returns I've been I've been getting defensively.
4: Willie McGee is one of your biggest fans. I, I remember him telling me four years ago that he thought you were big league ready, uh, but the injury slowed you down. How much of an impact has he had on your career?
7: Uh, Willie has had a, a tremendous impact on my career. I remember when I met him uh, a few years ago in Double A and. Um, he told me straight up he said man you could play in the big leagues today you know but he said um, you know i would I would like to see you you know harness your mental game you know don't go don't get so frustrated you know um you know you get out just you know go back to the dugout and and focus on the next the next play whether it's defense or you know concentrate on on the on the future instead of you know that the past and um You know, when Willie kind of explained that to me, you know, I remember there was one game I I got frustrated and I slammed my helmet. And, you know, he told me, you know, you think Jackie Robinson, you know, slammed his helmet? I remember when he told me that, I was like, you know what? I don't need to be slamming my helmet. You know, I don't need to be slamming anything. And, um, you know, I I felt like that day forever changed me uh, because, you know, I'm – I'm able to control my emotions a lot better from from talking to Willie, you know, and I see other guys in this game, you know, who kind of lose it. And I'm, you know, I remember the old me, sort of say, you know, it's not that I, I was a mental whack job. I just, you know, I, I cared. I wanted to be so successful, you know. Um, but, you know, when Willie, he's a guy, he's a mentor, you know, he's a, he's a special person to me, you know, I, I love Willie.
4: He's been so good to so many kids. You know, do you have to – how do you try and harness that emotion? Because I know that you're a guy that puts a lot of work in and you get down sometimes like a lot of players do. What steps have you tried to take, especially when you've been in the big leagues, to try and say, okay, i got to go get him on the next at-bat or i got to go get him the next time I'm in the field? Because if you let it stay with you, it'll eat you alive.
7: That's true. I mean, you know, right now I'm hitting like 200. And I I can tell you this, the old me – Right now, I, w- I would already be out of it. But, you know, with, with me being more uh, mentally strong, um, I'm able to focus on my next at bat or the next day. You know, I, ju- I just come um, with, a, with a better positive mindset um, to help me get, get through it all.
4: This has been an interesting spring, as I mentioned at the outset. You, you've been healthy, and that's a good thing for you because most of the time, there's some sort of hiccup along the way that slows you down. Uh, what's been your approach, if anything, different this year, as far as the fact you come in healthy, you know, there's a job to be had,
7: and you got to put work in. Yeah, I'm at a. I have a tough spring. Spring is always tough for me, you know, because um, I, I understand that I have to come in here and earn everything that um, that I work for and um, I, I have to be ready to play every day and it, it's a little tough you know because you know physically your body isn't ready to play every day from an off season but I, I, try, to, I try to maintain everything, I try to stay on top of my maintenance work and um, I, I try to put myself in a position to succeed um, just from my preparation every day. But uh, I mean, overall, I have a I feel like I have a lot of work to do um, because I I, want to I want to figure out a a routine that's going to help me play at my best consistently. You know, once I do that, you know, I, I think sky's the limit for me.
4: But you're a guy that likes to have fun. I don't want people to think that Tommy Fam is always tense. You know how to show up and have a good time, and I've seen you with kids, and I've seen you with your teammates. There's a fun side to you.
7: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a soft spot for kids, um, you know, just always remembering what it was like to be a kid. Um, and You know, my teammates, they love me. You know, uh, that's a lot of people don't understand or know. Uh, they love me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a joking person with them. I mean, not, not any, not in a witty type of way, just, you know, in, in, in my own kind of way. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I understand that, you know, I, I, have to go out there and, and, uh, perform well, you know, cause I, I, have to earn everything that's, that's, that's given to me in this game, you know, um i don't- I don't expect and I, anything to be hand given, so I have to go out there and take it.
4: I know we I, I talked to a player about you recently. he said he's good for the room because he puts his work in, but he also will do something This is gonna have somebody laughing at some point, whether it's something you say or something you do and I know you don't contrive these things they just happen naturally for you
7: <laughs> they they kind of do, and uh you know i, I always pick out something, you know, to kind of make the group laugh, but I mean, it, like I said, it's my own little way. All right, one other
4: thing I wanted to ask you about. There's been a lot written and talked about with regard to your vision. I know you've gone through an ordeal because you got this rare issue with your vision that's maybe held you back a little bit. How comfortable do you feel about it? And then explain to us what you have.
7: Um, well, I mean, I have a, a eye condition called keratoconus. It's, it's a very complicated frustrating thing to have for me and especially as a baseball player but I mean I mean last year it was it was stressful for what I went through you know I'm just I'm really just trying to you know focus on on playing you know the vision thing behind me um, you know it kind of gets brought up because you know everyone asked me about my my vision you know I, I, I never go out and talk about it but I mean, I have a, a special eye condition, and, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate and lucky, you know, to be able to play this game with what I have.
4: Well, I'm looking forward to watching these last couple of weeks. It should be fun. You'll get the swing going, and uh, I'm looking
3: forward to you hopping out of one of those trucks on opening day. Thank you, Mike. Subscribe to Cardinals Magazine and receive two free tickets to a Monday through Thursday home game in 2017. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. We wrap up our number one of the show next. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren, and we're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren on KMOX.
3: Wrapping up this first hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne. With you, Ben Boyd is our executive producer back in our Cardinals Network Studios. Talk with John Rooney. Coming up to kick off hour number two, get his impressions of some of the Cardinals pitching. Again, Michael Waka so good today as his velocity was up 95-96. The off-speed pitches were fantastic, both the change-up and the curveball, and he threw three more scoreless innings, still yet to give up an earned run in this Grapefruit League season. Adam Wainwright will talk about Waino with John Rooney as well. Lance Lynn, he goes tomorrow. So some good pitching and Some good offense, all for the Cardinals so far to this point in the spring. Whitey Herzog going to be joined by Whitey in our number two of the program. Also, Cardinals third base coach, Chris Maloney. So a lot to get to, and we're talking Cardinals winning baseball. Yeah, it's spring training, but always fun to win. The Cardinals did that today, 9-3 over the Washington Nationals. So, again, don't go anywhere. One hour in the books and one more hour of the program to come. We are less than a month away from opening day at Wrigley. We're counting down to opening day from Cardinals spring training in Jupiter, Florida. Chris Raby along with Mike Claiborne and our producer Ben Boyd. And we're back for hour number two of the program next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a long drive.
1: Left center field. Way back to the track.
2: Down to opening day show. He's presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Bringing a ground ball off the up uh, to the second baseman. Got him. A uh, complete game, 5-0 shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to opening day show. Presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network.
3: Hour number two of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, off and running from Jupiter, Florida. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Ben Boyd back in our Cardinals Network studios and pleasure to kick off the second hour with John
1: Rooney. John, how are you? I'm doing fine. Really impressed by what I see out of the Cardinal bats the last four or five days.
3: You know, they've been putting up a lot of runs. They've been doing it in all sorts of different ways, though. We saw a home run late today by Harrison Bader, but it was a lot of singles today, some good base running. They've hit some home runs. They've hit for power. They're scoring a lot of runs, but, again, they don't look one-dimensional offensively.
1: Parks this big down here in Florida, you uh, move some singles around, hit the ball to the corners, and keep the line moving. That's what the Cardinals have done since uh, Sunday. Uh, they had a low-scoring affair on Saturday, a one-to-one game, where they had a combined seven hits between Washington and the Cardinals. Since then, the Cardinals are 3-1, and one, and they've averaged 13.5 hits a game, and they've looked really good in the process. But they've mixed in some singles, some doubles, a triple or two, and some home runs.
4: Hey,
1: John, what about the defense? I,
4: I think they've been a lot sharper. Uh, there doesn't seem to be as much... You know, indecision with regard to throwing the bases and making plays, and I know that's something we talked a great deal about throughout the course of last year. Have you noticed a change in how things are working?
1: Well, Clibs, I think the whole game's a lot sharper. Quite frankly, I think what they've been doing in their drills to get ready for the games is paying dividends. I think the pace of the camp leading up to the games, where they're busy the whole time they, they were there from – The time they walked out on the field to stretch until it was time to leave at about 1 or 1.30, and they accomplished a whole lot. Everybody's in pretty good shape. Uh, They seem to be uh, in in a a mood where they're just doing what it takes to clean up the game, and they needed to do that. Last year they looked sloppy. The starting pitching was inconsistent. I think it's just a better mood there, and it's also uh, a lot more of a streamlined camp from what we saw a year ago. And it's really showing up in the games. I just like the overall presentation of the pace so far. John Rooney
3: with us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by and John, let's talk a little bit about some of the pitching that we've seen. We'll start with Michael Waka. He made his third start today. The velocity, he had it last year at times. We saw 95-96 today, but I've been so impressed with the way Waka has been able to locate his fastball. When he's able to do that, how does it allow him to mix in his off-speed pitches?
1: Well, his downward plane on the fastball is pretty tough to pick up for some hitters. And when he has that, he's very, very dangerous. Then he can play off of that with a good changeup and a pretty good breaking ball. And it looks like the exercises and and the conditioning to strengthen that uh, shoulder, strengthen the arm, really paid off. Uh, Knock on wood, it continues. Because if he pitches the way he has pitched in the early going, and he's throwing strikes, he's hitting his spots, and he's getting accomplished what he hopes to do every time he goes out there, whether it's throwing on the side or in a ball game. And as I said, knock on wood that that continues to go in the direction that Waka is headed now because uh, he's, he's headed to a pretty good season if that's the case.
3: You saw Adam Wainwright make another start yesterday as the Cardinals beat the Marlins 9-2, to John. And last week, Wainwright said he rediscovered his curveball grip. It looked very good yesterday. He says he threw as many change-ups in that game uh, as he had, uh, you know, uh, in in full starts over the course of the last well, few seasons. What, what did you see he, from that pitch, and what did you see from Wainwright yesterday?
1: Well, he has a tendency to do whatever he needs to do to get outs, whether it's uh, making up a pitch or throwing a cutter as he did one game last year or, or pulling a, a rabbit out of the hat uh, the change up is a very effective pitch for most of the cardinal pitchers especially guys who are throwing 95 96 but adam has uh, been hitting in the low 90s with his fastball uh, you combine that with a curveball change up and throw strikes and the defense needs to get the job done behind these pitchers and it looks to be a little crisper presentation from what we saw this time a year ago. So it bodes well for all the pitchers.
4: John, in every spring training camp, we always have competition, whether it's pitching staff or bullpen. What competition are you paying closest attention to? It looks like we've got a really interesting one between Tommy Pham, Jose Martinez, Jordan Schaefer. He's yet to get a hit, but just the fear factor of him being able to pitch and also play in the outfield and run the bases – Puts him in the conversation. Is there anyone else you're looking at?
1: Well, that's definitely going to keep Schaefer in the conversation. If he can come in, throw strikes, and get somebody out, then go to the outfield and take a hit away in a gap somewhere with his great speed, and he throws, he'll hit the cutoff man. You know that. He throws well. So uh, he's going to be a contender for a roster spot. The idea is intriguing where he could be a two way player. We don't have many of those and really haven't had many of those. Uh, almost like having pitchers who throw both left-handed and right-handed. Uh, Greg Harris did that for the Red Sox years ago, and there have been a couple of others. But uh, it's a very interesting concept, and so I think that's going to keep him around for a while. Tommy Pham looks like he's seeing the ball fairly well, but Jose Martinez can hit. He can move in the outfield as well. Harrison Bader, I think the competition for where some of these minor leaguers are going to start out and how quickly they're going to get to the majors What we've seen from DeYoung, what we've seen out of Bader, and what we've seen out of Patrick Wisdom, Uh, it's impressive, and I like it. And I I know they're making the best of their bats because they're getting hits, they're scoring runs, and some of these guys are hitting home runs.
3: We saw Jose Martinez at the end of last year. He finally made his big league debut after nearly 900 minor league games. It couldn't have been for lack of production, a guy who won a batting title at AAA. He's playing some first base now, which gives him more versatility. And, John, he can certainly handle the bat, and he can handle it against velocity because he had a handful of impressive at-bats against her Chapman last year down the stretch. What have you seen from Martinez, not just this spring, but in the final month of the big league calendar last year?
1: Well, it takes me back to when I was doing the White Sox games and his father was playing for them, and he could play first base, play the outfield, come off the bench as a right-handed bat with some pop, and not necessarily as a big home run hitter, but a guy who could get an extra base hit or hit one out of the park, and that's exactly what Jose can do. He was backed up by some pretty good outfielders in Kansas City before he arrived in St. Louis, so I'm not at all surprised that he did. But he put up some good at-bats, and what we saw of him in September Certainly, uh, he deserved to get the at bats as a pinch hitter in tough spots in games where we saw him last year, and he deserves these opportunities. And what I've seen of him at first base, he looks pretty good.
4: You know, we're about to get to that point in the schedule where these at bats and these games go be even more interesting because the minor leaguers are going to be re- starting to be reassigned. You know, some of these guys peak a little too early, and I'm wondering about a guy like Martinez. Does he have enough to maintain the the situation that he's in now to make sure that he's part of this roster come opening day?
1: I'd roll the dice, Claves, and say that he does. Uh, He has at-bats now the way we saw him hit in September. So he has that kind of carryover, and I guess that's what the scouts saw of him in the minor leagues when they traded for him to get him from Kansas City. I think he does. I think he has the, the right approach, and we're also going to see better pitching. So, the bats are going to get a little bit more difficult. There are pitchers working on things. They're throwing a fastball or they're working on a change-up or they're working on this or that. When we get past St. Patrick's Day, that's when uh, everybody probably better strap it down because the bats will go up for the regulars and we'll see some minor leaguers late in ball games, and uh, those will be the players that the staffs really want to evaluate, perhaps some Class A players that, might get a chance because they've looked good in some of the games on the backfields. But uh, those at-bats and those innings for the players and the pitchers will uh, become very precious because it will be cut down time before we know it, and they'll be playing in Springfield and in Memphis, those exhibition games before we come home and open up against the Cubs on the 2nd of April. And that, my friends, is just around the corner.
3: John Ernie and Mike Shannon have the call tomorrow. Cardinals and Astros in Jupiter. Lance Lynn makes his third start of the spring, twelve oh five, the first pitch on the Cardinals Radio Network. John, appreciate the time. We'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow.
1: Okay, Chris Claves, have a good evening.
3: Visit the official online shop at the Cardinals at cardinals.com slash shop for the largest selection of authentic caps, T-shirts, jerseys, hoodies, collectibles, and more. Get your gear straight from the source, cardinals.com slash shop. You always see Chris Maloney in authentic gear down there at third base. The Cardinals third base coach joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on OX.
4: Always good to talk to Cardinal third base coach Chris Maloney. All right, you got the full-time gig now. How's it been? Not that you haven't been over on third base before.
8: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to, uh, you know, third base is a really fun place to, to be the coach at uh, because... A lot of action down there. You get a lot to make, make a lot of
4: decisions, and, and uh, it's exciting. Exciting for sure. And for you, there's more than just waving guys around second base. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on before, during, and after the game for a third base coach.
8: Yeah, there is. Um, you've got a lot of things going on with, with uh, you know all the things we're working on, trying to score more runs. And, and uh, I think we're really doing a great job with our base running this year, and we're really focusing on it and hopefully we'll, it'll translate into more runs for us.
4: What do you try and work on as far as base running? I know there's a lot of things that go into it, and most of it, the work goes into it before the crack of the bat.
8: Yes, it does. Uh, you know, a good base runner is, is really a smart gambler. He puts everything in an equation. Uh, you know, the, All the cards are out there on the table. You just got to look at them. You know, whether the guy's a right-handed thrower or left-handed thrower in outfield, what kind of arm he has, what's the score of the game. What does his run mean? How many outs there are? All those things come into play, and uh, you just try to make a bet every pitch, and you're going to be a better base
4: runner. Why don't we see more or, or better throwing arms from the outfield? You, you you were around when there were when every team had at least two legitimate guns in the outfield. Now we may see one guy, maybe two, on a team, and maybe even in a division.
8: Well, there's no 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 doubt about it. There's. Uh... There's less good arms than there, there's ever been, I think, in, in uh, baseball. And not not that many guys are getting thrown out. So, uh, you, you know, when a guy's got a good arm, you got to respect it. But uh, there again, sometimes a guy's going to have a good arm. But if it's a time you really need to gamble, well, you're going to test him.
4: And that's the thing for you having that that book on who can throw and and I think a lot of times I see guys throw to the wrong bases Uh, the the fundamentals defensively seem like they slipped a little bit and I'm not accusing it in in big leagues but I don't know if it's stressed as much in in the lower levels because everybody just wants to hit
8: well um I think you've got a point there Uh, guys guys know that the bread and butter of 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 a, of a a position player is hitting and uh but I think we do a good job of, of really working on the little things uh, on both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively, running the bases. And, um, you know, that's where it's at, being a complete player.
4: For you, you you were a career baseball man. You managed, you coached, the minors, you played in college. What's the biggest change you've seen in the game from when you left Memphis to where you're at now?
8: Uh, the biggest change in the game, I think there's more strikeouts than there's ever been. I think... Uh, that's something I noticed. It seems like
4: strikeouts are going up every year. And, and you know what? Well, that's that's a good point you make because there was a time if a guy struck out 150 times. He really felt bad about it. Now a guy can strike out 150 times, hit 35 home runs, and all is good in the world.
8: Well, if that's his game, you, you sometimes you got to take the good with the bad and and. Uh... You know, some guys, that's the name of their game is hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And, and uh, you know, if a team's willing to say, okay, this guy's going to hit 35 homers for us, he's going to drive in 90 to 110 runs, but he's going to strike out 150, 200 times, we're going to take it. So that's the nature of the beast sometimes.
4: Yeah, and I guess, you know, if you get one or two of those guys in your lineup, maybe you can get away with, you have three or four of them, you got a whole problem on your hands.
8: Yeah, you do. If you've got too many holes in your lineup, too many guys that, uh, that, that are – potentially rally stoppers with a punch out, that makes it tough to score runs.
4: Hey, for, for people who come coming out to the ballpark and they watch you work or they watch any game, give me a couple of things that people might want to pay closer attention to with regard to what a third base coach is trying to do during the course of the game, whether there's a runner on base or maybe the bases are empty. Well, anytime
8: there's a runner on base, what you're trying to do at, at, at uh, third base is okay, you, you, you survey the field, you see where everybody's playing defense, the number of outs, where we're at in the ball game, what's the score of the ball game. All those things are going to factor into, uh, you know, what we're going to try to do. And, and um, you know, there again, the, the biggest part is being, being smart out there and uh, having a plan before the, the actual pitch goes down.
4: And for you, signs are important. You get signs from the dugout, you relay them. How often do you guys have to change signs during the course of the season?
8: Well, uh, it just depends on if if we think anybody's uh, got their eye on us or, or, or we think they're close to figuring something out or they have figured something out, then we're going to have to change signs. And uh, some, once in a while we'll have a situation where a guy moves from a team that's been with us and to another team, and we definitely got to change signs then.
4: Hammer, always good to see you, sir. Let's have a fun
3: season and uh, keep waving them around.
8: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. The
3: 2017 promotional schedule features eight bobblehead giveaway dates, including a unique Carlos Martinez and a Matt Carpenter double bobblehead, two final out bobbleheads, and more. Get your tickets through one of the five or ten-game promotional packs or as a single-game ticket on sale now at cardinals.com. We love seeing Whitey Herzog in Cardinals camp, and he joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Emmerin on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This
2: is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX.
9: It's a pleasure to visit with the Hall of Fame manager, Whitey Herzog, who has made his way to spring training. Mike always asked me to come down and spend a few days, and uh, but I came down this time uh, uh, with a group with Rex and and uh, I'm only going to be here today, and I'm going to get back to St. Louis tomorrow, so... I get to say hi to everybody anyway. And uh, as you know, I, li- I read them and I listen to the games on the radio at home and busy. But uh, I never did like spring training. Really? When I managed I And I thought it was too long then. But, boy, now when I see how many games they play and how long it is, it's amazing. Do you pull your hair out sometimes watching the defense that you see today? Uh, I I know you took pride in
4: your ball clubs with regard to how they could feel the ball. And I thought infield had a lot to do with that. But when you watch it today and you see those mental errors, what does that make you think?
9: You know, the sorry thing about it, and it started during my era as a manager. When it came to contract time, or when somebody was going to sign a long-term contract, everything was based on, if you were a player, RBIs, home runs, and batting average. They didn't say whether you were a good guy, whether you were a good base runner. Uh, defense didn't really enter into it unless you were outstanding like Brooks Robinson or Ozzy Smith or something like that. But it was all based on the offensive part. The little things didn't mean much. And then when you talk about pitches, you know, you didn't really talk about getting ahead of hitters. All they talk about now is how hard they throw. We have three hours and a half, nine inning games because we throw too many pitches. In the big leagues today, and they want to shorten the games, you can't shorten them. Because when I manage, and that's been 30 years ago now, uh, we used to average both teams about 250 to 60 pitches. Now when I look and I start adding up how many pitches they use, sometimes it's three ten. Yeah. So how are you going to shorten the games unless you play seven innings? Well, you know what, they, they might think about
4: it, but it won't happen because they still got to pay people, so that's no. not going to happen. Yeah. What are you enjoying about the game today? What do you like watching?
9: Well, you know, the athletes are so big and strong, and I'm a great college basketball buff, and I watch all the football, college and pro I can watch. But the baseball games, you know, I I watch them religiously. I don't miss many Cardinal games that I don't go to. I still watch them on TV. I have certain teams I like to watch uh, uh, from the other league, you know. Then I I got being that I manage the Royals and so forth. I have a lot of interest, and uh, but we have so many good athletes today, and. when I look at the Cubs' play and some of them young players they got, and the fact that the catcher now is going to be there the full year, and we hope to get Schwarber back as their cleanup hitter. And, they, you know, you got to hope if you're a Cub fan, Rizzo or Bryant don't get hurt. Yeah. But, my God, Mike, they got some good young talent. And, uh, and every team seems to have kids that can throw 98. And I think if I was commissioner today, I would take the guns away that would show how hard a kid's throwing in the ballpark. I would let the scouts have them in there, yeah. but I wouldn't. I think too many young pitchers, Mike, are so interested in what the gun says. How hard are they throwing that they don't become pitchers. They be. They stay throwers because they try to overthrow and, and throw too hard. And on
4: the younger level, the parents are watching it in little league and, and uh, select travel leagues and things of that nature. The gun has become a real problem. Yeah, I, I
9: think it's a big problem. And, you know, I don't think that the kids ever learn how to pitch because yeah. they're too interested in the guns. I'll give you an example about one of my players that I thought had a chance to be a great pitcher in the big leagues. And with the ability he had... He was a good pitcher, but he hurt his elbow. Joe McGrain, who's now a broadcaster, does a very good job. When Joe came up, when he threw his fastball, 88, 89, it would sink just naturally. But he'd come in, what the guns say, what the guns say. I said, who, Joe, who cares what the guns say? Just get him out. Your fastball's moving. He'd go out there the next inning because one of his buddies would say, well, you only hit 87, and he'd try to hump up. And that's when he started getting elbow problems he's trying to overthrow and when he tried to throw overthrow you lose your movement and all of a sudden he wasn't having the success he had and i felt bad for him because the elbow went bad on him and i still think once he started trying to overthrow because of what the gun showed i Mm -hmm. thought that hurt him
4: honoring your 87 team this year talk a little bit about that ball club and how things came together
9: Well, basically in 77, which was 30 years ago, no one gave us much of a chance to win. I remember the first day of spring training in the first game we shared St. Petersburg, Al Lang with the Mets. We had finished 26 games out the year before. We won 80-some games, but the Mets won 112. And Dick Young, who was writing for the Daily News, came to me, who I knew well from my years with the Mets, very good friend, very good writer, And he said, how are you going to make up them 26 games? And I said, we already made them up. We're both nothing, nothing. (laughs) So anyway, we start the season, and that was the year that they really juiced the ball up. Uh, I I took the centers out of the year before ball and the uh, 77 ball, held them both in my office on the concrete floor and the 87 ball. Uh, bounced about a foot and a half higher, so okay. I knew it was Broke due- a hole in the ceiling. But here's what some people don't remember about what's happening. We got Tudor hurt on Easter Sunday, broken mm-hmm. leg. I didn't want to take Danny to Viral Beach, and I left him home because I didn't want him to do the six-hour ride because of his elbow problem. And he, he went fishing, jumped over seawall. He got injured. So I lost my number one and two pitchers in spring training. Well, the season starts off... And uh, we end up after 108 games leading all of baseball in run score, including the American League. The Tigers were second with the DH. But once we, we got hitting like we should or scoring runs like we should, Tudor and Koss came back, and we were the first team in the history of either league to ever win a pennant without having at least a 14 game winner. And we had th- three 11 game winners. Two 10-game winners, nine-game winners in the bullpen. Rick Hart and Daly, Warrell, Camel, they just did a super job and so forth. And Scott Terry, who'd we got. And it just seemed like uh, once we start hitting like crazy, that we start pitching like we should if we hadn't had the injuries. But for us, uh, I think about last years the way the ball was jacked up by everybody, was hitting homers, the Cardinals hitting... 200-plus homers, 17 pinched homers, and bragging about scoring 752 runs. Do you realize in 1977, when we won by three and a half games over the Mets, that we scored 798 (laughs) runs, stole 255 bases, thrown out 72 times, with a total of 94 home runs?
4: It's amazing the way you guys manufactured runs, running the bases, stealing bases, going from first to third, putting the pressure on the other guy's defense.
9: Why don't we see more of that? You know, Uh, we've fallen in love with the home run so much. Here's what I feel, Mike, and you broadcasting and being at every game. I'm sure that you will say this is true: the home run has become so prevalent. That I think there's a lot of managers that won't run on running counts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of one-base players because they don't want to mistake and get thrown out at third. The only way to overcome that is if you have spring training and you make everybody on first base go to third base when they hit the center or right, even if they're out by 20 feet. Show them that they can do it. Don't become a one-base player. And I used to do that to all my players in spring training. I also did in the structural league and the minor leagues. I said, they have to go on a ground ball single to center right field. They have to be on third. If it isn't a line drive, one hopper directly, that's fine. But they got to learn that. That's the only way you learn is to get thrown out once in a while. How aggressive. But nowadays, and you just said it to me before, there's a difference between an aggressive dumb and an aggressive smart and if you got to be aggressive smart I had a ball player that was aggressive dumb Rex Hudler if he was safe at first he took off for second if he was safe at second he was on a third I finally said Rex what difference does it make if you're out of first second and third you're out I said when you get to second you ought to stop you know but anyway that's what I call being aggressive dumb uh, the fans loved it, but that's not the way to play the game. You know, to, to touch on that, we talk about pitchers today,
4: especially guys in the bullpen where they all have this one-inning mentality where I can't go more than one, I have to start the right. inning off clean. How much does that hurt the game? Because these
9: pitchers today, they they, if it's not perfect, they're going to be hard to deal with. Well, you know, the one-inning the one save started out in Oakland. When Tony was managing, but he had a great setup guy at Honeycutt, who's now the pitching coach for the Dodgers. And Honeycutt would take over the ballgame in two outs in the sixth and pitch till the ninth. And Eckersley would come in and get three outs. And he did a great job, don't get me wrong. But he didn't do a job like Lee Smith did, or Bruce Souter did, or Todd Warrell did, or Goose Gossage did. Because when I had Bruce Souter for the four years, if I had a Sunday game and off Monday, he'd come to me Sunday's game. If you need me in the 7th, I'll finish it for you. And I'd have an off day Monday, and he'd be ready Tuesday night. And that's the way we work. We never lost games in the 8th inning because if I got him up with two outs in the 7th, he didn't get in, I made sure he pitched the 8th and ninth. Mm-hmm. Now, people say, how comes Huffman ain't in the Hall of Fame? How comes Lee Smith... Isn't in the National Hall of Fame. Well, Lee Smith should be in the Hall of Fame because he was a setup man for Bruce Souter in Chicago, and he didn't get a lot of saves he would have got if Bruce hadn't been there. But he got three hundred and some saves, and he was a workhorse. Uh, the guy from San Diego, Hoffman, he say, "How comes he ain't in the Hall of Fame?" Well, somebody says all of his saves are one inning saves. Well, he still got 700 and some saves. So. Yeah, you can't have it both ways. It's I one mean, or the you other. You can't have it both ways, and they've changed their save rule so much in our history. Where a relief pitcher used to have to come in and face the tying run to get a save. And every year it seemed like it was different. And a lot of times a pitcher would have to bring in with a two-run lead. you would get two out in the ninth. And he had to face the tying run. He'd walk a guy, so he'd face the tying run. I mean, I've seen that during my yeah. career because I was watching instead of playing. But the big thing is, I think that has hurt uh, the, the salaries that closers make. I think that's hurt the, the attention they get from the writers to getting in the Hall of Fame because of the change in all the save rules, you know. And uh, I, I, I really do believe that uh, now. The guy goes three outs, they take him out. It might be the in- middle of an inning. So they stop the game, they bring in the guy, now he's got to warm up, and he just got four guys out and he's got two outs in the eighth, but they got to bring in another pitcher because he got his four outs. You know, it's a little different, Mike, than it used to be, yeah? Whitey, is always good to chat with you. Glad to see you here at Spring training. I'm looking forward
4: to seeing you at the ballpark this year. Yeah,
9: enjoy it, and always enjoy listening to you all on the radio and uh, – you enjoy everything but my play at fantasy camp oh yeah and then, you know the thing is I generally leave the ball club, park and I drive home I listen to the last two innings on X, you know and invariably I get home it still ain't over sometimes but but anyway you know it's it's uh, it's amazing and uh, uh it's it's great to see the fans support the Cardinals and uh, the great ownership you have and everything going for you right now I'm rooting for the blues. They can make the playoffs, but it don't look good. They got the work cut out for them. Yeah, they they really do have, and uh, it's been a tough season. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I I think I think they got a heck of a chance yet, but everything depends on their goaltender.
3: He's got to play the lights out. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under. Tremendous membership benefits include two tickets to a 2017 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Busch Stadium, and much more. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Martin Coco talks steam tickets with us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on OX.
3: Back at Jupiter, Florida, and we welcome to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day the Director of Ticket Sales and Marketing, Martin Coco, to talk some theme tickets. April 2nd, Cardinals and Cubs open the regular season at Busch
10: Stadium. Inside a month, Martin, how does that sound, man? Well, it's coming, so we're getting ready. <laughs> I know the fans are ready, and... Uh, We've uh, got less than a month to get all of our plans finalized, and uh, one of the things we're excited about is another good slate of theme ticket offerings for the 2017 season. Cardinals.com
3: slash theme is where you go to check out the theme tickets. They're on sale now. Just an awesome chance to attend a game, maybe get access to exclusive promotional items, experiences, a ton of events throughout the season that target different occupations organizations communities and more martin how have you seen the theme tickets evolve over uh not just you know the last couple of years but even over the course of the last few months i know you guys are always adding as we get closer to each season and sometimes within each
10: season that's right we 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 have sort of the the annual favorites that we bring back every year such as star wars night uh and we added we add new ones each year too last year a couple of the new favorites, we, we did a Margaritaville night. Um, we added uh, a Beatles tribute night. So we're always on the lookout for new ideas and, and new sort of fan bases that are out there that might also be Cardinals fans but have another affinity that they're associated with. Um, so we're, we're, we're basically always looking for new ones but also bringing back some of the fan favorites every year.
3: Yeah, let's talk about a handful of those right now, including the Budweiser Bash. These are such great evenings. You guys have uh, so many fan favorites, including some of the Hall of Famers that are going to be around. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Budweiser Bash and and what you guys have up your sleeves for this season?
10: Yeah, Bud Bash, uh, we have done every year since we started theme tickets. uh, And the idea is just to sort of have a, uh, for every homestand, to bring back some favorite uh, players from the past. So um, each year we sort of do a different theme, um, celebrating anniversaries from championship teams, etc. cetera. Uh, this year we actually are sort of mixing it. We've got two anniversaries that we're celebrating um, in various ways at the ballpark, the 1967 World Championship team and the 1987 National League champions. So we thought we would just mix those two in bud bash. So every Tuesday home game, We have a Bud Bash, uh, and essentially there's, there's two ways that fans can participate. Um, the, the, the basic one is to get a, you get a mini bobblehead. You buy a special Bud Bash themed ticket and you get a mini bobblehead of that night's player. And then the player is also there that night as well. So we'll have a special guest every Tuesday home game, a, a former player, fan favorite. Uh, in several cases they're Hall of Famers. Of course, those two teams had Hall of Famers, uh, on both teams. So, uh, the ones that are early in the season are the ones I was going to specifically mention to you. Um, we've got a VIP session um, for each guy, and basically you buy that VIP ticket, you get the mini bobblehead, but then you also get to come to a pregame autograph session with the player. So the two in April, uh, specifically to mention, uh, Tuesday, April 18th, we've got Red Shandienst, and then Tuesday, April 25th, Lou Brock. So starting off with a couple of the the most popular and fan-favorite Hall of Famers. And the cool thing there is uh, it's a, a relatively low ticket price. You buy that ticket and you're guaranteed to, uh, to come meet Lou or Red before the game, get an autograph and a bobblehead.
3: Cardinals.com slash theme. Two more nights that I want to touch on, Martin. Military Appreciation Night, new for 2017, just announced last week. Also, firefighters appreciation
10: and law enforcement appreciation nights tell us about those yeah military uh, is one that we just announced as you mentioned and fans may be familiar with um probably 10 plus years fox sports midwest has done a special broadcast once a year they call it this one's for you where they connect uh with an overseas deployed uh military unit uh either air force national guard or army national guard is what it usually is um and so we're kind of piggybacking on that we're connecting with them and, and partnering with them to do this military appreciation night on the same night that they do their broadcast so um we've uh, we found out uh, that every branch of the military has their own special camo so we've designed a cardinal's cap uh, that's kind of a combination of the cardinal's logo and a cardinal's look with that camo Um, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard, each one has sort of their own special design. So if you buy that special theme ticket, you get the cap, uh, and then there's going to be a lot of other stuff going on in the ballpark that night that's military-themed, including that Fox broadcast where they connect with a, uh, a unit overseas.
3: Also for this year, Firefighters Appreciation and Law Enforcement appreciation night uh those include t-shirts and charitable donations so many great evenings and and man is that cool to have the military appreciation night new for this season 2017 martin coco always enjoy the chats director of ticket sales and marketing go to cardinals.com slash theme for information on all the theme nights this year, the Bud Bashes, the Appreciation Nights, and and so many more. Martin, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me. Back to wrap up this week's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren after these messages on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by
3: Ameren on KMOX. That's going to do it for this week's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with Mike Claiborne and our executive producer, Ben Boyd. We are in Jupiter, Florida. Another great, great show. Thank you so much to all of our guests. John Rooney, Greg Garcia, Tommy Pham, Whitey Herzog, Chris Maloney, John Parado of USA Today, and Martin Coco of the Cardinals. Can you believe that less than a month remains until we open the season Opening day, that's what we're counting down till Sunday, April 2nd at Bush Stadium, the Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs on a Sunday night. We'll have another great show for you next week, and hopefully some more great Cardinals spring training baseball to talk about. Cardinals and Astros tomorrow at 12.05 right here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Until then, for all of our guests, for my co-host, Mike Claymore, for our producer, Ben Boyd, and our Cardinals Network Studios, Chris Raby saying, have a great night. This has been Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Radio Network.
10: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.